You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to the recently held school budget and school board votes around New York and to help us understand some of the trends that emerged as well as standout events. We're joined by David Albert, Chief Communications and Marketing Officer for the New York State School Boards Association. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's our pleasure as well. So, for starters, these budgets were up for a vote less than three weeks after the state budget was approved, and that includes a budget with lots and lots and lots of uh, state education aid. So how did school district leaders go about crafting their budget proposals earlier this year with the ambiguity surrounding what they might end up getting? Yeah, so it's a great question. And, you know, typically... Uh, we see education being one of the last components of the state budget kind of comes together at the last minute. There's maybe a dueling proposals from the legislature and the governor. Districts don't really know which numbers to go with, so they might run different scenarios. Well, this is what the budget looks like with the governor's numbers. This is what it looks like with the legislature's numbers. This year, David, there really wasn't that much drama because the governor and the legislature were all on the same page. Both proposed a 2.6, $2.7 billion increase in foundation aid. Both proposed overall a 3% increase or a $3 billion increase in state aid. So there really wasn't any discrepancy between the, the legislature and the governor. So schools were able to use the governor's numbers in putting budget proposals together, knowing that things may be tweaked a little bit, but for the most part, you know, they ended up with the governor's proposal, and that was certainly helpful for schools. And this budget reflected uh, the third year of a phase in where the state was trying to fully fund the foundation aid formula, which accounts for the bulk of the education aid dollars that schools get from Albany. So with that increased level of state education funding coming from the state, how many, if any, school districts were looking to override uh, their local tax caps and trying to generate more revenue than they otherwise could have done with just a 51% vote of school budgets? Yeah, so this year there were 17 districts that attempted to override the cap, and that's out of 675 districts that went out for a budget vote. So not a lot of districts about a dozen and a half. But those districts that did attempt to pierce the cap have some unique circumstances. You can actually look at some of these districts and their tax cap was very low, but they may have some expenses that were forcing them to go above that tax cap. We did see a lot of expenses going up this year, you know, inflation, heating, fuel, health insurance. And so some of those districts just, you know, they needed to go a little bit above the cap in order to make ends meet. And for the dozen and a half schools that did try to exceed their local tax cap, how successful were they in rallying voters to pass the 60% threshold that they need to adopt a budget that overrides their local tax cap? Yeah. So, you know, the challenge with the cap, of course, is getting that 60% supermajority. Pretty much, you know, all of the districts except one got a simple majority. So to answer your question, 13 of the 17 districts were successful in overriding the cap. And interestingly, David, three of the four districts that were not successful would have passed with a simple majority. So one district got 58% you know, approval. 
another got 55, another got 51. So three of those four districts had they only needed a simple majority would have passed. So it was close. Unfortunately, you know, they didn't get to that 60% threshold. Well, as you mentioned earlier, when we talk about school districts in New York, we're talking about more than 600 school districts, and they all have their own unique stories and unique set of circumstances. Uh, But one school district that caught my attention because uh, their story landed in my inbox is the East Ramapo Central School District. And that's a district that is often talked about in the capital in terms of oversight for the district and how funds are distributed. What was the deal with their vote? Did that stand out to you from your 10,000 foot perspective? Or was that just another one that's kind of a unique product of local circumstances there? I don't know that there was anything that stood out for us per se. East Ramapo did not get their budget passed this year. They were one of the districts that had their budget defeated. They didn't need a majority override, did they? That is correct. No, their tax cap was about 5% or so. So, and they actually went out with a 2% tax levy increase. So they were under the cap. They did not need an override. But again, you know, there are circumstances that are unique in every right. single district. And, you know, East Ramapo Post certainly won. But, you know, if you looked at all of the defeats, there's a story there. Well, thinking about the school districts that did not need a supermajority to adopt their budget because they were staying under the tax cap, were they nearly unanimous in passing them? Or were there more failures like the East Ramapo Central School District where they couldn't even get a simple majority? Yeah, so there were some failures. There were six uh, budgets out of 675 that just needed a simple majority that did not pass. But for the most part, it was a pretty overwhelming passage rate. So if you just needed a simple majority on your budget, 99% of those budgets passed, only six uh, were defeated. So that's a pretty, you know, overwhelming show of support on the part of voters. Uh, Even for the tax cap overrides, we talked about those earlier, it was a 77% passage rate, obviously not a 99% rate, but still not bad, given that you need to get to that 60% threshold. So, you know, overall, we do see very strong support out there. And again, each district is unique. Some things, you know, there, there might be a controversy in some district that might drive people out to vote, maybe to vote against a budget. It's very, very unique to the individual communities and districts. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the recent school budget and school board votes held around the state. And our guest is David Albert, Chief Communications and Marketing Officer for the New York State School Boards Association. So as I mentioned, uh, in addition to voting on budgets, there were also votes on school board leadership. Anything stand out for you from the school board votes? Were there any overarching campaigns that we saw span districts? Were there any messages sent to incumbent boards where they were all voted out or voted back in? Anything that you know made it to your perspective from that 10,000-foot level? This was a very different year from last year. If you remember last year, there were a number of candidates in some districts, you know, vying for a very few number of seats. You know, you could see three or four seats open and 12 candidates, 10 candidates running for those seats. There were a number of candidates last year that ran on a parents' rights platform. There were a number of candidates last year that were running as a result of 
unhappiness with some of the COVID policies that were put into effect, students wearing masks, remote learning. We saw a, really a peak last year in candidates opposing incumbents. This year was more of a return to normal. We did not see as many of those challengers this year. It's not to say that there weren't challengers. It's not to say that there weren't candidates that associated with a parents' rights platform, but we did not see anything like what we saw last year. Many of those candidates did not win last year. You know, there were some areas where down on the island, for example, where they did have some success, but we did not see a large victory. Last year, quite honestly, an endorsement from the local teachers union was a very strong indicator of success. And nine out of 10 candidates who won last year had the endorsement of their local teachers union. This year, we didn't see all of those challenges. We did see more of a return to normal. We saw 86% of incumbents reelected. 86% of those incumbents who ran were reelected. So that's a very strong success rate for incumbents. And if you look, not to throw a lot of statistics at you, but if you look at all of the winning candidates, about 62% were incumbents. So that means a lot of familiar faces returning to board seats and just not as much you know, consternation this year as we saw last year. Well, finally, during the peak of the pandemic back in 2020, many New Yorkers participated in their school board and school budget votes via absentee ballot as a result of relaxed rules leading to some of the highest participation that we've seen maybe ever. And now that we're back doing the traditional way of voting for these elections, what was participation like this year? So we don't have any formal numbers on that yet. We expect to have that within the next week, but I'm going to guess it's going to be about 10% of registered voters showed up to vote in board elections. You know, we saw a real spike in 2020 when we had absentee ballots. We saw an increase last year because of a lot of the spotlight on school boards. But I think this year was more of a return to normal year. And we would love to see higher voter turnout. You know, 10% of registered voters, really not a lot. It's an important position. Folks on school boards are making decisions about how your tax dollars are spent. They're making decisions about the curriculum in your schools. We would love to see more than 10% of registered voters turn out. Does the School Boards Association have any opinion on policies that state policymakers in Albany could adopt to help drive up a turnout? Or are you guys kind of agnostic on that front? You know, I don't know that we have any specific recommendations. I mean, people have talked about moving the elections to November. We don't think that's a good idea. We saw what happens when politics gets injected into school boards last year. We would hope that this would not be the case. You know, moving to November could, in fact, result in much more political school board races. And, you know, school boards are nonpartisan and they should be nonpartisan. So that's not a solution that we see as viable. A lot of it does come down to what's going on in the individual district. And as I said earlier, if there's a a controversy in the district, most likely there's going to be a greater turnout. A lot of it really just comes down to communicating to the public the important role that boards of education play 
in you know not just children's lives in terms of their education but in terms of the taxpayers as well well we've been speaking with david albert he's the chief communications and marketing officer for the new york state school boards association david thank you so much for making the time i really appreciate it my pleasure Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.